Well, we're studying the idea that uh, life is short. Make it count. And uh, I don't mean to be morbid, uh, but I have a question for you. And the question is, what do you want people to say at your funeral? I know what I want. I want people to look into my casket and say, wow, so this is what it looks like. When a guy lives to be 140 years old. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to live to 140, and I'm positive you won't. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why we need to be urgent on this matter of making life count, because life is short. And just like you had a first day of life on this planet, there is coming another day, your last day on this planet, and then several days later, there will be a service for you, and my question is, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Think about it, because it does reveal something very important about what it means to make it count. If you're honest, uh, you'll answer with agreement to the timeless truth that goes something like this. In the end, my life is measured not by the degree I make a name for myself, but the degree I make positive impact in others. You know, I've been involved in scores upon scores of funerals, and some of these services have just been uh, experiences of joy because we were honoring someone who made life count. And there are some funerals that just screamed despair and agony because the person's life was hollow of meaning and significance. The hollow remembrances were of people who did nothing but make a name for themselves. I've conducted funerals of people who had a degree of celebrity, uh, who were very wealthy, who rose to positions of power, were very accomplished, considered experts in their field. But when it came to their relationships, when it came to the person's relationships, <laughs> it was a tangled mess of ex-spouses and neglected sons and angry daughters and various shallow friendships. You know, I've actually been part of sad funerals when, where the eulogy just consists of a list of all the person's accomplishments, and then when people attending are given an open mic opportunity to say something uh, in honor of the deceased, nobody says anything except maybe, uh, oh, he was in the office when I came in, and he was in the office when I left, or, you know, uh, I could never keep up with her, you know, she could drink, you know, uh, she really knew how to party. And they made them a name for themselves. So sad. But then I have been part of services that screamed with joy because they were love fests uh, crammed with people who can't stop talking about the departed saying things like, he changed my life. She taught me about Jesus. He reached out to me and turned my life around. She gave me hope when I wanted to end it all. My dad is my hero. 
Mom, she held us all together. All of us are here because he touched our lives and brought joy to our world. What a life of impact. So, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Making it count is not about becoming famous or rich or powerful or accomplished. It's about people. It's about making an impact in others. And this is a truth that was at the very center of Jesus' teaching. Which brings us to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And you may want to follow along in your Bible or your device where Jesus agrees that making life count comes down to relationships. In Luke chapter 10, a guy comes up to Jesus and asks uh, about how to make life count. And then Jesus says, well, what does God say in Scripture? And then Jesus agrees when the man quotes uh, the Bible saying this in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So here Jesus teaches that uh, making life count comes down to relationships. Love for God and love for my neighbor. At which point the man then asks the follow-up question, uh, Jesus What do you mean by loving my neighbor? And then, as a response, Jesus relates this famous story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So through the Good Samaritan story, Jesus teaches me how to make it count by making a positive impact in others. First, Jesus teaches me to start nearby. Nearby, that's what the word neighbor means. Uh, Jesus doesn't say Love the world, because he knows that's too vague to have any real meaning. Jesus says instead, love your nearby. Love the people you live with. Show tangible compassion to the people that you spend most of your time with. Now, through the Good Samaritan, Jesus makes it clear that by love, love my neighbor, by love, he's not talking about a vague feeling. Love is making a positive impact on specific people through specific acts of compassion. So if I want to make an impact, I need to get specific. And this usually means making a list. Uh, This can be a mental list, but 
I think it's much more powerful to write some names down in black and white. Make a list of your nearbys, starting with the people you live with and then going to maybe your extended family and then making a list of the people you see on a daily or weekly basis. And don't roll your eyes like this is an infinite list. It isn't. Uh, very few of us have more than 25 nearbys, uh, people who we see on a daily or weekly basis. So make the list, and once you have the list, go name by name and stop and think about each one of those people. Recall the current details of their life, if you know some, and how that might give you insight into the biggest needs in their life at this point. So you think of your spouse and how your spouse is going through some intense job-related stress. You think about a young relative, I don't know, maybe a niece or a nephew who has lost a parent. You think about your coworker who is going through a divorce. You think about the family across the street and how they're going through a health crisis. And after you've thought through some of the needs on your nearby list, you are ready for the most important step. And this is where I need you to turn to the back of your bulletin. Uh, take out your bulletin and just look at the very back. And underneath the blurb about uh, giving back to God at BlackRock, uh, there's a grid. Uh, and what you want to do is pick four names from your nearby list and, uh, and write the, the name uh, on the far left side and then uh, summarize a specific need that that person has. And then here's the most important part. On the far right, name a specific need meeting act you could perform to show love to your nearby uh, so for your stress-out spouse, you uh, pick a specific chore that uh, they'd be thankful that you took into hand. Uh, for your young relative, you take your young relative out to a game or a movie with an opportunity to talk. Uh, for your coworker going through a divorce, you extend an invitation to church. Uh, and then Sunday lunch afterwards. For your neighbor family in crisis, you determine to send a note and leave a meal. The grid gets to the heart of what it means to make an impact with my life. Making an impact is not a general willingness to be a loving person. Making an impact involves specific acts of compassion done for specific people starting for my specific nearbys. And after I fill out this grid once or twice, my heart starts doing this automatically. Name, need, need meeting act. Name, need, need meeting act. This is the internal rhythm of a person who makes an impact. Next, the Good Samaritan story teaches me to look for daily opportunities. Making an impact starts with my nearby, uh, that's true, but it doesn't end there. I mean, the Good Samaritan was good because he took the opportunity to help a stranger he had never met on the road of life. Uh, if I want a life that counts, 
I need to have my eyes open for opportunities every day on the road of life. Now, this is not just opening my physical eyes. Keep in mind, in Jesus' story, the priest saw the beaten man with his physical eyes. The Levite saw the beaten man with his physical eyes. But the Samaritan saw the wounded man with more than just his eyes. The Samaritan saw the wounded man through God's eyes. The Samaritan saw this wounded man through the compassion view of God and saw his opportunity to make an impact. I had a, uh, an experience uh, a while ago. Uh, I was driving home uh, late at night and uh, I saw under the neon glow a man standing outside of a diner. And as I was going by, I had this sense that God was saying, stop, go, and talk to him. And uh, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just kind of a gentle impression. It was so gentle, I was like, God, is that you? Uh, Or is that just me? Uh, I need to know, because I really don't want to do this. Uh, And I thought, maybe this isn't God. Maybe this is my mind just you know, playing tricks on me. And then I thought, "Mm, no, my mind isn't like that. Uh, My mind doesn't come up with inconvenient things to do. Uh, My mind comes up with things like, uh, why don't you stop at that diner and have some pie? Uh, I get prophetic words like, uh, I bet they've got lots of pie in that diner. I bet they have one of those jewelry showcases of desserts in that diner. Uh, My mind comes up with things like that. My mind does not come up with inconvenient things like, why don't you stop and talk to the scary guy outside the diner? Uh, But unfortunately, by this time, I was already past the diner. And uh, so that that came again, that impression. Stop, go talk to that guy. And so I turned the car around and went back to the diner. And he was still standing there. Got out of the car and I slowly walked up to him and I said, uh, how you doing? And he said, I'm alone. I was supposed to meet someone here and they're not showing up. And I noticed that he had an accent and uh, uh, he told me how he was an international student studying nearby. And then he asked me what I did. And I said, uh, well, I'm a pastor, and I teach in a uh, church uh, right up the road. And he said, oh, so you believe in Jesus? And, I, and he said, uh, I was hoping to find a believer in Jesus because I have many questions that I must have answered before I would ever consider being a Christian. Well, the bottom line is that I was right. They did have pie in that diner, and uh, (laughs) my new friend and I, we ate a lot of it that night, uh, and I answered his questions the best I could, and uh, I can't describe how exciting it is to feel as though you're making an impact by reaching out to a new friend that God loves and wants to have an eternal relationship with. But it all began when I saw this guy with more than just my physical eyes. 
God got my attention finally until I could see this guy through God's eyes of compassion and love. And this is kind of a dramatic example of something I need to be looking for on a daily basis if I want my life to count. Through simple conversations in a doctor's waiting room or on an airplane or at a dinner party, I need to go down the road of life with my eyes open looking for opportunities to make an impact in someone else's life. Next, in the Good Samaritan, Jesus teaches me to move in where others move away. Like I said, the priest saw, the Levite saw, but then they moved to the opposite side of the road, away from this injured man. What made the Samaritan a person of impact is that he chose to move in where others were moving away. The surest way for you to find your place of impact is to walk toward the people others are moving away from. Let's say you're a student. There's a kid in your school who is uh, bullied. If popularity is your goal, well, you're going to move away from that kid as far as possible. But if your goal is to make an impact, you will move in where others are moving away. You'll sit with that kid at lunch and make an impact. But, you know, maybe there's uh, someone at work uh, who sits alone because uh, he speaks broken English. Or maybe you have a coworker who has been diagnosed with a terminal disease or who has lost a child. And people just move away because they don't know what to say. You make an impact when you move toward people in need and pain and difficulty with compassionate acts that make a difference. Uh, this week I was reminded of our uh, boys club that meets here at church on Monday. Monday nights and how on a Monday night about seven years ago, a uh, desperate mother showed up in tears with her seven-year-old son uh, and told one of our boys club adult leaders that her son had no father and he was angry and destructive and she had taken him everywhere and no one would help him. She was not a churchgoer, but she said she needed a miracle and one of these boys club leaders uh, uh, took Tim under his arm and soon found out that his mom was right. That Tim was so out of control uh, that well, all the boys in his small group in the, uh, the club, they all stopped coming out of a fear of his anger and destructiveness. Uh, but this adult leader decided to move in where everyone else had and was moving out. He started taking Tim uh, to breakfast every Saturday. And over pancakes, Tim opened up how he was being bullied in school every day. And so this adult leader prayed with Tim, taught Tim how to pray, and gave him coping tools. And eventually, God did a miracle in the life of this boy. Tim gave his life to Jesus, and then Tim personally called the other boys in, the, uh, in his small group who had moved out and told them uh, how his life had been changed by Jesus, and would they come back to the group? And the boys did come back. And uh, seven years later, Tim is now a leader in the boys' club. And now he moves in and he helps younger boys to meet God and overcome anger and bitterness like he has. You can do this.
You can make an impact by moving in where others are moving away. Next, I make an impact when I help someone shine. You know, the beautiful thing about the Good Samaritan is that he was not satisfied with just a single act of rescue. No, he committed to a nurturing, longer-term relationship, helping the man return to complete health. The Samaritan brought the man to an inn and at his personal expense made a long-term commitment to help the man become the best that he could be. You know, meeting a stranger for pie is great, but if I want to make an impact, these single-shot opportunities must be balanced by my commitment to make a difference within the context of longer-term relationships. If I want my life to count, I must be willing to invest in relationships with people who are younger than me, who maybe are less experienced uh, than I am, and need help to grow in order to be the best that they can be. You know, there is nothing more exciting than making an impact by helping someone shine. You know, I remember seeing an example of this principle on the evening news. And uh, even though I saw it over a year ago, it made an impact on me. It stuck with me. Just take a look. Greece Athena High School in Rochester, New York, has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. And go! Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they'd lose a game because he'd, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team, for the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I missed. it? I just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. His second shot missed, too, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have believed it, you know? You caught fire. I just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers one right after the other. He had 20 points total, and each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different, but never this different, never this wonderful.
Steve Hartman, CBS News, Rochester, New York. So I don't think anybody can see that clip and not be inspired. Because all of us, I think God's made us to want to help someone shine. The people in the stands wanted Jason to shine. The teammates who kept feeding them the ball wanted Jason to shine. But it all started with Jason's coach. Jason had a coach who spent time uh, teaching Jason how to shoot. and had a coach who believed in him enough to put him in the game. And if you want to make an impact, you need to be a coach for somebody. Be a coach for somebody. Uh, if you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, be a coach. Help your child shine. Students, if you have a younger brother or a younger sister, you can be the coach who believes in them and helps them shine. But some of your best opportunities to help someone shine are right here at church. When you serve as a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader or a student ministry team member. I just told you a story of how one of our boys club leaders coached Tim and how Tim now shines by coaching other kids. I could tell you many more stories of how adult leaders in our junior high and our senior high student ministry groups reach out and help young people by being a friend to them and just listening to them and caring enough to stick around long enough to help them shine. If you want your life to count, you need to put yourself in the place where you can be a coach who helps someone shine. I'm speaking to people, especially at this hour, many of whom who have many, many years of experience in, uh, in life. You need to be a coach to somebody. Be a coach, please, here at church. Help someone who's younger than you, who maybe be less, is less experienced than you. Would you come alongside them? Put an arm around them and help them to shine in Jesus. Finally, through the Good Samaritan, uh, Jesus is calling you to let God increase your impact. Making your life count uh, is making relationships your top priority. Uh, starting with your relationship with God. God wants you to make an impact. He's on your side. As you fill out the grid on the back of the bulletin, God wants to give you insight into the needs of people. He wants to help with that internal rhythm, name, need, need meeting act. He wants to help you by giving you insight so that you can really make a difference in your nearbys. God wants to give you eyes so that you can see what he sees and help you with daily opportunities as you go down the road of life, daily opportunities to make it count. God wants to give you strength to move in where others are moving away. God wants you to be a coach. And so Jesus wants to coach you so that you can coach someone else so that you can help someone shine. Talk to God about this. Let God 
increase your impact so that by your last day, you're not remembered for how you made a name for yourself. But you're remembered, and you're remembered, and you're remembered. You're remembered forever for your eternal impact in others. Would you please stand as we close? You know, there are uh, holy moments that we come across every once in a while. Maybe this is one of those holy moments where uh, you can make a decision uh, that actually impacts uh, the last day of your life and how, how much impact you've really gathered in your life. Maybe this is that moment that kind of changes the trajectory and allows you to really make it count. It'll start by just a prayer and just asking God to come alongside you, to teach you how to really be that kind of good Samaritan in the lives of those around you. So would you just take a moment, just uh, maybe ask God for um, in the privilege of increasing your impact. Let's spend a moment now.